Welcome to February's Topic Talk. This month, Bentley and Jenna are joining me to talk about pivotal defining moments in our lives. And it comes out of the box pretty hot and heavy with Jenna sharing some information. What I want you to know is that there could be some trigger warnings for certain people around mental health and mental health issues. So just be aware that there are some conversations about self-harm, some issues with mental health and having to have therapy, etc. So I wanted to give you that heads up before. If that's a trigger for you, then I would suggest that you not listen to this particular episode. I do want to also make sure that you all know just how brave it is that I believe that both Bentley and Jenna are to come forward and share their stories about all of this. It's, that's a lot of deep personal introspection that's gone on. And then to be willing to share that in a public arena is quite courageous, I believe. Not everybody can do it. It isn't easy for everyone to just sit down and talk about their feelings or things that have happened to them in the past and how it's affected them. So I just want to make sure that I call out the fact that I think both of these women are incredible women and incredibly strong and courageous to be able to present their vulnerabilities to the world at large in the hopes that it will help someone else. So please enjoy this episode. We will be back again with a March episode as well with a new topic. Thank you for joining us. Stories. We all have them. They're the compilation of your journey from where you started to how you ended up where you are today. Titanium Blonde is all about sharing women's stories. The good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, and everything in between all of that. I'm Sherry Eckert. This is Titanium Blonde Talks. And I'd like to know, what's your story? Hello, and thank you for joining me for another episode of Titanium Blonde Talks. We are at our monthly topic talk section this month. And today we're going to be talking about some defining moments in our lives. And I've had sort of an interesting little introspection going around this topic, trying to come up with some things that were defining that do I still feel like they're defining moments. So I'll be curious to hear what Bentley and Jenna have to say this morning about their defining moments as well. So welcoming both Bentley and Jenna this morning as we talk about our defining moments. Good morning, ladies. Hey, good morning. Good morning. So did you guys have to do some introspection around this to kind of figure out what it was you... I, I have um, more than one. Am I the only one that has more than one? Um, I I narrowed it down to, I think, three and a couple couple of them are... Um, heavy and deep and one's not so heavy and deep and I put off thinking about it since we started <laughs> picking the topic. <laughs> um, I was trying to avoid it. I was just hoping that like at some point this just wouldn't happen. <laughs> well you're here I mean, now. Not, not really not really but you know so yeah you're gonna talk about so, it. So <laughs> so explain to me why you were hoping that we wouldn't get to this point. For starters, I um, couldn't think of anything. I couldn't think of a <laughs> profound <laughs> defining moment that changed the trajectory of my entire life, right? No, um, okay. I mean, I knew that there were some in there, but I, I don't think I was willing to go there yet. And uh, part of me, I was telling Bentley just a little bit ago, part of me is like done 
kind of done talking about one of them and having that be kind of what shaped my identity. So I struggled with whether or not I was going to talk about it or not. Okay. And Bentley, what about you? You know, I don't think that, well, yes and no. I don't know if there's like one specific like pivotal moment. And as I say that, I realize I'm an idiot because there really is. <laughs> so we'll, we'll dive into that in a minute. But I, I really feel like in the majority of people's lives, like you have these little moments that slowly build up over time. And maybe you look back at them and you're like, okay, they were little, you know, they weren't these massive, you know, life-changing moments. They were this, they were these little buildups, right? These little like hints, you know, these little events that slowly added up to maybe a bigger change in your life. And maybe that sort of culminates in one specific event that does end up changing your life. And that's kind of where my defining moment happened. I think it was looking back now, I see a lot of little things that got me to that one specific event. But uh, I don't know, I'll have to (laughs) dive in and see. But I think that's kind of a basis for, you know, a lot of people, though. Well, yeah. I I would agree with you. I mean, I have several pivotal moments in my life that really felt huge at the time that they happened. And when I dove in a little deeper, I agree with you. It's a lot of smaller things that all come together that then sort of like erupts into mm-hmm. this pivotal moment. And I think sometimes it has to do with awareness, how aware we are of those moments and making choices. Sometimes we make those choices without a lot of thought. I look at my younger self and things that happen and I look at myself as an older, hopefully wiser person. (laughs) And I want to think that I'm paying more attention, but I don't necessarily always think that's the case. So true. So who wants to uh, start off this morning? You're up, Jenna. <laughs> okay, so do you want me to just go with one? and, uh, and You can start wherever it is or... you want. Yeah, yeah, just start with one and we'll have a conversation. Okay, perfect. So the, the one that I had mentioned earlier that I was kind of like done talking about and kind of just like digesting this whole process myself and sick of playing, not, not playing, but sick of using like this moment as my defining moment was when my mom passed away. So I was a young girl. I was 13 years old and she passed away very suddenly out of really out of nowhere, you know, the night before we were all hanging out and having a great time. And two days later she was gone. So that, um, not only from like an emotional development standpoint shifted my entire life, but also my parents were separated and both remarried at the time. So there was a giant custody battle between a couple sets of parents and a grandparent, my sister and brother and I, and it was, it was ugly. It was awful. I'm sure. Yeah. And so. And you were 13. So that is, that's, oh man. You know, the more I look back at teenage years, they're so filled with angst anyway of just mm-hmm. daily life. Yeah. And then to have something. So how, I mean, did you really feel like you had someone that was there to help you through this process? Or do you feel like you navigated it a lot on your own? I I feel like I could have had people there for me, but I was very closed off. 
I wanted to handle things myself. I didn't want, I didn't like talking about things. I didn't want any sort of discussion around it. I just wanted to kind of sit with it myself. And the thing that I think changed really the trajectory of my entire life was, so I think it was within a week that my mom passed away. My dad, you know, showed up and said, okay, let's go. You're moving in with me. And it was right at the end, like right in the um, beginning of my eighth grade year. So it was at the right at the end of middle school before starting high school. And I panicked like, you know, my friends are here. This is where I live. I'd be be moving to a different town within the same state, new school. And after just losing my mom, like I didn't want to lose everything else everything that I knew, else right, right? and uh, so along this process we were able to stay where we were living with with my grandma and my stepdad and uh, finish out the school year and then as soon as that was over we had moved and it, I struggle with this with what I'm gonna say next quite a bit because I think that everything happens for a reason mm-hmm. right and the move from the school district, from the city I was living in, and everything was really the best thing that could have happened for my future. Just environmental-wise, we were living in a place that is not known for much success. (laughs) I'm trying to be very, like, politically correct about it. Like, just not a good town, not a good place to live. And Mm -hmm. I think that had I stayed there, my life would have been drastically different. Wow. Okay. I think that it would have been common to have... um, been addicted to drugs or had been a teen mom or just a completely Mm -hmm. different life. And so I think that that's my biggest takeaway from everything that happened from my mom passing away was really carving out this new direction that my life was going to be heading. And we have talked in previous Topic Talk podcasts about the fact that you moved into a home where the religion was rather strict. You didn't mention before about what sort of environment when you were living with your mom in terms of religion? Because I, I think you said they were two different religions. Your mom was yeah, Catholic and your dad she was, was LDS. Christian. She, my my yeah. mom was, was Christian. So, you know, you then also had the upheaval <laughs> of whatever religious upbringing that you had into this other space with your father. I mean, that is just, that's total upheaval in yeah. in a life. And I find it really heartwarming that you're looking back at this and that could have been a very tragic it was a very tragic point in time but the tragic the tragedy of it could have sent you in a very different direction but now Mm -hmm. you're able to look back at it and go this really changed my life in a positive way yeah in Mm -hmm. in many aspects wow and and i think that you know beyond that like just the fact that I lost my mom so young and I had to really figure a lot of things out on my own. I didn't have to. I probably could have had the support that I needed had I been willing to receive it, but I was determined to do it on my own to figure it out. And I definitely like went through therapy and I saw psychologists and psychiatrists and I struggled a lot with my mental health. This is going to, I'm going to kind of segue into my next thing I wanted to talk about was I, um, so I was, I struggled with depression and I was put on um, antidepressants. But before that, I trigger warning um, real quick with all of this. So I self-harmed myself. I would cut myself. And at one point, I, I was pretty serious about it one night. I was pretty serious about at the point I thought that I was serious about taking my own life. But looking back on it, I think that I was a really serious cry for help. 
was and I had this was in pager days. So I had paged my sister who wasn't living with with me. And I told her, I said, I need you. And in my mind, I said, I'm going to cut until I hear from her. And, uh, and she showed up very soon, <laughs> very quickly after that. And that week I was put in um, psychiatric care and I was an, I was an outpatient. So my dad dropped me off every day. I was there for a week. And in this care facility, I was in a group therapy session and this, I can't explain the environment of what it's like to be in this type of facility. Um, it just totally shook my world. And this one kid in this group therapy session, I remember him telling his story it was like, why are you here? Like, what is so bad in your life basically that has brought you to this point? And I remember listening to his story and I had this moment of Jenna, what the fuck is your problem? Like you're fine. Like you're, you have nothing to worry about compared to these people. Like your life is fine. You've got a roof over your head. You don't, mm -hmm. you're not being abused at home. You're, you know, I was, it was such an epiphany for me to be like, pull your shit together and handle it. And that was probably my second like moment of, of reality there for me that kind of shifted the way that I was going to handle my life moving forward. Yeah. Wow. yeah, I know heavy stuff, but 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 good stuff to talk it's about. Beautiful though. I mean, that's I had sort of a similar situation <laughs> when I hit forty. My one of my grandmothers passed away after having multiple strokes, and it was very it was very hard to witness all of the process of her slow demise mm -hmm. and with hormonal changes and I mean, I just hit. A huge depression space and i had a friend who said sherry you know you don't have to do this by yourself because i was raised in an environment where i had to be a big girl mm -hmm. and you pulled yourself up by your bootstraps and she said you know you don't have to do this by yourself you can go and talk to someone and they can help you and so i was prescribed i wasn't sleeping i would sleep maybe two or three hours a night so i don't know if you were having issues with your sleep because of course that affects your serotonin Mm -hmm. and was put on antidepressants and an old tricyclic at night that called trazodone that either I slept, it was black. There were no dreams. There was nothing. It was just like this black void when wow. I would sleep. Or mm -hmm. I would have dreams that would be in technicolor like I was on a stage and it, it was so real, it was scary. I mean, it was wow. just very odd. This is back before Facebook. I mean, this is a long time ago and I found Yahoo groups and there was a Yahoo yeah. group of people that were on the same med that I was on. And I started mm -hmm. talking to these people and I realized through talking to some of these people that they were on whole cocktails of meds of, yeah. and really fucked up a lot mm -hmm. of them. Yeah. Um, and we sort of formed this small group. There was about a dozen of us. And at one point in time, we all met up. Most of us met up in Vegas. <laughs> the weirdest places. place for all, all of us to show up. All the crazies showed up in Vegas. That's when but, you should um, unite. <laughs> yeah. But that was the, the that was one of those moments for me. It was like, oh my God, Sherry, you know, you have some yeah. shit to deal with, but look at some of these people and yeah. some of the things that they talked about. And I mean, some of them were on lists of drugs that were like 15, 20 drugs a day. And I was on two. Yeah. <laughs> and then after about a year, my body just told me, 
you don't need this anymore. And I slowly cycled myself off. And when I told my doctor, she got mad at me. She's like, why did you do that? We're women. We just get depressed. You need to stay on those meds. And I was like, okay, it's time for a new doctor. (laughs) We're done. Oh my gosh. And good for you for acknowledging, like good for you for like acknowledging where you were and how feel like knowing how you felt and how you could come off of it on your own. And yeah. I I don't, I can't even tell you other than the fact that somewhere in my brain, in my psyche, I kept getting this announcement saying, you don't need this anymore. This is Mm -hmm. enough. You're, and I mean the, I was on Selexa and it was like, I was like this, I I didn't cry. I didn't get overly Mm -hmm. excited. I didn't get sad. I didn't, I mean, it did what it needed to do, which was to help me sleep so that I could get my serotonin levels up and the Selexa helped raise the serotonin. But I mean, after a while it was like, you you don't, this is not a lifetime drug for you. So, I mean, that's, that's really a defining moment for me when I first started realizing that better living through chemistry is not necessarily uh, the right thing for me and that I really can listen to and pay attention to and have wisdom about my very own body. So that's um, so powerful that, you know, when you said that about you you were in therapy, listening to these people talk about it and you just were like, Jenna, you need to get your shit together. You don't, you don't have, and I'm curious, is it, do you think it was your age that kept you in that space of you thinking that you didn't need help or were you just not ready to accept help or were you just determined that I need to do this by myself? Um, I think it's just a part of my DNA. (laughs) Just very, um, I wouldn't have called it independent then because I like to me, independence is like strength in that solitude, right. And like taking care of it on your own. But it was definitely more of, I was more ashamed Um, and embarrassed to talk about anything that I was feeling or going through. And so I didn't, I didn't, I hardly talked about it to my therapist, right? So I felt like I, I kind of just figured it out. And luckily, like as time moved on, as I got older, I started kind of research, I was really fascinated with psychology, and I almost went to school for that. Um, But I just kind of started studying and reading and learning and trying to like figure out the why behind a lot of the things that I was feeling on my own. Well, and guilt and shame, boy, those are two very big drivers Mm -hmm. for a lot of things. I, you know, had to do a lot of poking into guilt and shame and it's not always a very pretty thing to look at. And then you look back on it and go, why did I do that to myself? Yeah. Bentley, why don't you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm still digesting Jenna's story. I'm sorry. I know. I just no, came it's... in like hot and heavy. Don't, ap- so don't apologize. I, um... No, no. I mean, this is what this is supposed to be about. So. Yeah. And it's, a, you know, I I love sharing these stories because you never know who you're impacting. You know, there's somebody out there who's like, oh, I was a teenager and yeah. lost a parent and felt the same way or the way you're talking about guilt. I know someone who's going through that, who's dealing with guilt and right now. So we're, we're all yeah. there in our, in our own ways. But for me, it, it can kind of be broken down a little bit, but obviously my, you know, most recent life changes. I mean, I got officially divorced this past April. So um, almost coming up on a year. Oh gosh. Um, I didn't realize it hadn't been a year yet. Yeah. It's not even, in, not even a full year yet. Feels longer but um <laughs> isn't it, it funny uh, how that happens <laughs> my word um 
you know, and obviously we've touched on this in other talks, but I um, am with a woman now and I'm very happy and could go, you know, into detail on that. But basically for me, you know, I, I didn't have the story and I have a lot of friends who are, have been in similar situations as me, which was shocking because I was convinced that nobody on the planet was going through what I was going through. Turns out there's a lot, you know, but I never got, I don't get to answer the story like, oh, did you always know that you were gay or, you know, are you bi or whatever? Why did you get married to him? You know, all these things. And I, I don't have the answer where I'm like, oh, I knew, I knew from day one and I was just hiding it. I didn't really know, honestly. And I think, you know, well, that's a whole another tangent I could go off on. But anyways, my sort of timeline was I got married in 2014. 2014, yeah. After being with my um, ex, we had dated for seven, nine years. And I was, so I was married for about three um, when I, or two and a half when I had an affair with my best friend, who's obviously a woman. We had our affair for about six months and we got caught. We got caught. That the truth came out very quickly and there was no denying it. And I went into panicked wife mode, which was, I need to save my marriage. What have I done? You know, this was a mistake, blah, blah, blah. Even though I knew I wasn't happy. But in that moment, you you panic and you cling on to what you have and what you think you need to save, whether or not it's right or wrong. And I was told my husband at the time, I was like, I'm going to go see a therapist, which I had never seen before. And I went to therapy. And for about four months, you know, obviously divulge all of the details of the current events. So I went through, you know, my marriage and my affair and all this stuff. And then we go, you know, you start diving into your childhood and all that. So that took a couple of weeks. (laughs) Oh, my word. So about a couple months into it, you know, I found myself always, always talking about her. I was very rarely like talking about him or my marriage or what, you know, what I needed to do. And it was more of her bringing it up. Like, how did this affect? What was this making you think? You know, so on and so forth. And I kept going back to my relationship with her um, because I had so many questions, so many unanswered or unanswerable questions because at that point, I had no contact with her and I had um, a lot of unfinished business, I guess you can call it. And one day I'm there and I'm laying in the chair. I mean, this is how dumb I was when it came to therapy. I'd never been to therapy. I walked in and sat in her chair instead of like on the lounge (laughs) chair that you're supposed to sit on. And she kind of looked at me and I was like, I'm supposed to sit over there, aren't I? And she's like, yeah, this is how out of my element I was obviously starting to find the value in it. And I'm to the point now where like I'm looking forward to my session every week and I get there and I'm laying, now I'm laying down on the right couch. I'm going to town on, you know, every, I'm just letting it all out. And she stops me, stops me mid sentence, which therapists don't do really. Like they're supposed to let you talk and get everything out. And then they ask yeah. all these questions and they make you answer them. So she stops me and she goes, why are you here? And I was like, excuse me. I was a very, taken aback by this question and she point blank looks at me and she goes are you here to fix your marriage or are you here to get over your girlfriend and I just sat there so dumbfounded I was like well she just straight called me on my shit um so thanks for that yeah she knew what she was doing you know she knew what I knew which was I didn't want to be married anymore And whether or not I was going to be in a relationship with 
her, which at the time was not possible. I mean, we had our lives had been completely separated and we had zero communication whatsoever. So it wasn't like I was still reaching out to her on the side, like, let's get together and talk or start, you know, go back to where we were. I mean, that wasn't happening. So she was did you, completely did you eliminated. Make that decision, or was that something that was, that was an ultimatum from your spouse? That was an ultimatum from both of our spouses. Mm. That was like they cut. They was like, you two will never communicate. You will never see each other again. And we ran in a lot of the same circles out here. You know, we didn't live terribly far from each other, so right. uh, it was very. It was yeah. It was, and that was the thing that was part of. The, the therapy that was driving me crazy was we basically got caught one night and by the next morning she was eliminated from my life. So this is the first time I've ever been with a woman. I I'm confused. I'm scared. I'm married. I don't know what's going on. I have all these questions that I want answers to and I can't get them well, because she's your so best I had to friend, do, she was my best friend. Like yeah. I was just so totally lost and broken. And that's why that, that question was looking back was massively, massively pivotal for me. And I immediately knew I had like confirmed what I had secretly deep down known all along, which was, wasn't obviously fair to him. I, you know, I, there was something missing in my life that I wasn't getting and so I knew, I knew, I knew from there, I was like, this is what I have to do. And that still took me about th- three months till I kind of got the courage to stand on my own two feet and say, I need, I need to walk away. We, we need to not be together anymore. So that was, that was kind of my pivotal moment. And Jenna, you sort of made me think of that comment when you were talking about your group therapy sessions or you were sitting there and, mm-hmm. you know, you're like, what am I doing here? I was like, what she just point blank looked here? at me and she was like, you dummy, you know what you're yeah. doing. I'm just going to make you say it out loud. Well, like, what's funny is I felt like when I was in therapy too, I felt like everyone else was looking at me like, what the fuck is this blonde what white are you doing, doing here? here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like get so, your shit together and go. Get your shit together. And I just knew I was like, and I, and that was one confirming the thoughts that I already knew. I mean, I'd spent you know, months just digging deep and pulling all this shit out that I was ignoring. And it gave me the confidence to literally start my life over to walk away and say, I have no clue. I have 0% clue of what the future holds or where what my next move is. At that point, I was barely working. I ended up losing everything because that's a whole nother story. But I essentially started my life over with nothing like i had no money essentially in the bank i lost every single thing i owned and started over so that was kind of that was the segue that was like the the springboard to starting Mm -hmm. yeah to starting everything over and i think that was definitely my biggest my biggest shift so in your whole life well one well i'm curious yeah well i mean i i was gonna say like literally i mean falling in love with my best friend, my uh, a woman, I mean, was huge. I mean, that's what yeah. started all of this. Um, I was going to say, that was probably the biggest shift that yeah, happened right there. And so that's, I mean, that moment in therapy was, I mean, there's like two parts. That's the, the moment in therapy was my shift in confidence. Like that was finally me looking back at myself in the mirror going, you know your truth. Now you need to go live it. Quit lying yeah. to yourself. Obviously, the the physical relationship that I had with her I mean, that 
changed my entire world because now where I am now, I mean, that's, this is what I want. Obviously, I'm, if that had never happened, I would probably still be married. (laughs) You know what I mean? And you never know. But that relationship with her, I mean, I remember the, the first moment I remember the very second that she and I kissed and we stopped and we looked at each other and we were like, Oh God, what just happened? happened? (laughs) What just happened? But I mean, that was the crazy thing was it. And we, we joke about it all the time. It was so comfortable. It, I mean, there was not an ounce of it that was like, this was weird or this was uncomfortable or, Oh God, like immediate regret. It was like, okay, that was nice. Why? (laughs) Um, Now what? Now what? <laughs> so, you know, that was definitely the the other defining moment. You know, if that hadn't happened, I wouldn't have ended up in therapy and I wouldn't have had the confidence and the truth to, you know, realize the truth of what my life really was, where it was supposed to go. So, and the potential that it had. Yeah. And You're now so everything. I mean, now. I know. I'm so happy yeah. now. And lots, lots of just saying out loud that my divorce hasn't even been final for a year is like... <laughs> eye-opening because so much has changed in my life in in just literally under a year well Um, you opened that door for you to be able to step through and follow what really was speaking to your heart and soul Mm -hmm. so you were no longer living this life that you thought you had to maintain or you thought you had to be in that you were actually being able to live true to what you exactly wanted yeah well it's interesting i was when I was talking with Catherine Budig and we were talking about the fact that as she was, she met her now wife Mm -hmm. and she was still married to a man at Mm -hmm. that point in time. And she talked about the fact that not only did she not want to be married, but she didn't love him. And she said, I don't even think I like him. Yeah, it was just interesting to kind of hear that transition. And she said that, you know, she and her wife wooed each other outside Mm -hmm. of social media or outside of societal pressure. Yeah. So that they got to have that time to kind of get to know each other because it was a big transition for her. Huge. Yeah. And, Mm -hmm. you know, same kind of thing for you is that that was a big space for you to finally go, this is, this is kind of where I need to be. It, it's interesting. I've been seeing other people talking about other women talking about this transition for them mm-hmm. in their lives and people asking them, did you always know you were gay? And yeah. I always think that that's such an invasive it, oh yeah. question. Mm-hmm. And you know, it doesn't matter. I've gotten matter. that plenty of times. It, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's, it's like, what does it matter? Yeah. I, I just think that you just have to go with what your heart tells you. Mm-hmm. And, and then that I believe is what then, like you said, you know, it was all these little things, same thing for Jenna, it was these little things that kind of built up. And then all of a sudden it was like this, Yeah, you know, it, it, I can make the, the turn here, I can make the turn here, I can do whatever it is, but sort of the doors get blown off and you have the capacity to be able to have that honesty with yourself. Jenna's in her therapy going, you know, you need to get your shit together and you're going, <laughs> I, I don't want to be married to this yeah. Yeah, that's and, what it is. You know, my experience with the thir- first time with therapy was very interesting and getting sort of the same sort of tough love of her saying, you know, you can tell me about your current 
husband and the fact that everything that he has done is about him. And she said, Mm -hmm. but you're still digging back into 25 years worth of shit from your first husband. And she said, and you're accepting all the responsibility for that. And I thought I had my shit together with all of that. I'd moved (laughs) on from my first marriage and, you know, done all of this stuff. And all of a sudden it was was like this big clanging bell. And I was like, fuck, she's back. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I felt. God like, damn it. Damn. That means now I'm going to have to work differently with all yeah. of this mm-hmm, shit. Totally. Like, so, but you know, you, you talk about losing everything yeah. and having to start over. I've had to do that a couple of different times. And you'd think that as my personality is that I get bored easily <laughs> with shit that's always the same, but we tell ourselves stories of it's safe to be here. You know, mm-hmm. I have, we have houses, we have a house, we have a car, we, we yep. you know, whatever it is that you create around a relationship to be there. Mm-hmm. And then you go from this place of having all of those things. And a lot of times the stress and the worry that goes with it. And then all of a sudden your life gets very small. And even mm-hmm. though that's scary, cause you don't necessarily know what's going to happen. It's actually much more manageable. Did you find that it was more manageable for you at that point in time? Yeah. It, I think it, I had to get over the initial shock. Yeah. Kind of that. of everything first, because my initial response was, how do I live my life? I don't have my things. I don't have my, my entire wardrobe is gone. My, I don't, I don't own Oh, you lost all your clothes too? I'm telling you, I walked away with my purse. That's it. he didn't let you go back and get your clothes? No. Oh my God. And I fought it and, and yeah, it was a mess, but I literally lost like everything. Like I had a backpack of clothes, like a couple items and my purse and that was it. So for me, it was like, well, how do I function? I don't, I don't own pots and pans anymore. I don't own clothes anymore. I don't have, you know, a hair straightener when I had hair. That's why you cut your hair, isn't it? <laughs> I cut my hair. True story. I didn't own a straightener or a curling iron anymore. I didn't have make, you know, these things that like, I thought I literally needed to live my life because it was my stuff. Right. And I, I had a kind of an epiphany later. I was like, guess what? I'm still alive and kicking. Yeah. Turns I out I don't need any of this shit. And I was really, really bitter about it for a while. And I was I'm like, sure. I want my stuff. I'm going to fight you in court, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, after a while, I said, I'm done. <laughs> I emailed my attorney and I was like, I'm done fighting. I'm spending more in divorce attorney's fees, fees, attorney's fees than I am in my stuff, in the value of my mm-hmm. things. So I don't care. And I, I kind of got to the point where I was like, it's not worth my time. It's not worth my energy. And now I look at it and I've had, you know, a little bit of time here to rebuild, buy the couple things that I need. And it was very refreshing to be like, my life is more amazing with nothing in it <laughs> than it was with all my stuff. Yeah, and to me, to me, that was just uh, kind of hitting the reset button on placing value on things, right? I I wasn't necessarily an extremely materialistic person, but I definitely, I liked my stuff and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I don't hate on any, I mean, I, I like, I bought, you know, I treated myself to an expensive pair of shoes because I love them. They made me happy. They brought me joy. Thank you, Marie Kondo, wherever you are. Um, (laughs) But it was now I feel like I have such a better balance on knowing how to live my life, knowing that I was perfectly fine without it. And my life had just 
as had more meaning and more value. And it was kind of that refresher to me where I was like, you, you can do this and you will rebuild slowly and everything will be fine. And now I get to look at things in my life now that I just recently purchased or, you know, a a recent trip that I went on and I, I treated myself to something nice. And I don't have any physical things that bring me not joy. (laughs) Um, that, you know, that remind me of the past, right? It was like, again, just this clean sweep. Everything Everything was burnt, gone, you know, and I didn't have to look at it or think about it anymore. And I think that gave me the opportunity to heal even faster and just to move past it without really anything like clawing at me going like, look at your past. Don't you remember this? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, I don't have anything. So, and, and now you get to build like your environment is all very intentional. It's everything that yes. you want in it right now for the life that you have right now is exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, that's beautiful. You know, mm-hmm. and that took a while for me to realize that that's that's the better way to do. You know, yeah. to to see how really beautiful that is. Mm-hmm. And looking back, I am so grateful that it went that way. Yeah. You know, I was so hung up on getting everything back, and I was like. Mm. I don't, I don't really need it. I'm okay. Well, I'm I think fine. you found that tipping point between how much energy do I want to expend mm-hmm. yeah. for this and how much more important is my healthy well-being Correct. as opposed to having that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now I'm glad, you know, I have things in my life, just like you're saying, Jenna, it's like there's intention behind them. There's meaning behind them. There's value yeah. behind them. You know, we all have things in our lives. We all have physical things. But I love knowing that the things I have now started when my life began over, essentially. Yeah. And it's that. kind of, it's a really cool, it's, it's so a really poetic. cool feeling. Yeah. Just walking So Jenna, I know you just, you just moved into a new place. I did. So mm-hmm. did you guys do some sort of cleaning out? Did you Marie Kondo your... <laughs> <laughs> no, we I've did, I've been to Jenna's house. <laughs> and can you believe that I still got rid of a ton of stuff? Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's amazing. Um, yeah. You know, I, um, I'm, I'm in the phase of still being attached to a lot of things materialistically, mostly clothes. I really like my clothes. But yeah, yeah during our move, we, we purged a lot of stuff. Yeah. We still have a lot of stuff to purge. And um, I did some volunteer work last Friday for an organization here in um, Phoenix that I'm really looking forward to continuing to work with. And they need all sorts of don- donations for um, houses because they um, put together houses for replacement for refugees and also like battered women that have left their husbands and they set up homes and apartments for for these people. And so everything that I have in excess that we have in storage and in our homes, I told Kevin, I'm like, we're getting rid of it. We're donating it. We need to to do something good with it. Yeah. So we still have some cleaning out to do and some refreshing (laughs) to do, but now I've got a little extra reason to do it. I was going to say, now you, ha- you, now you have some motivation <clears throat> mm-hmm. for all of that. Yeah. So Jenna, you you said you had three things. Did we hit, <laughs> we didn't hit all three of them? We two. didn't. Yeah, the last one's uh, it's a little less intense, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's right. We got the intense stuff yeah. out of the way. And a little, a little more recent, too. So I just wanted to mention how in the fall, I pretty much walked away from my nine to five. Um, from working in the office that 
um, my husband and I have and walked away from that in an effort to focus more on my yoga and my weightlifting and kind of doing the things that bring me joy since I've been sitting in an office since I was 18 years old and miserable the almost the entire time like I'm not that's not where I thrive it's not where my passion is so even in the last six months, just the transformation I've felt emotionally and mentally in that space of being able to be doing what I want to be doing was so pivotal. So insanely pivotal. Even my husband like has said multiple times, it's like, I hate not having you there, but you're so happy. You're so happy. It's like, and I wouldn't change that for the world. (laughs) So good for him that he can see that and appreciate it and not come from a place of, I I miss you and I want you there. So you need to do this for me Mm -hmm. kind of thing. So yeah, and I feel like we had we had our time there. I mean, I was there for him, you know, and mm-hmm. right. support of the business, and and because I, I out of necessity, but I really felt like it was my time. It was huge and scary and weird, and it's still weird at times where I'm like, wait, why? I don't have to go to the office. I don't have to go to work. I don't, you know, mm-hmm. and um, keeping my self-focused in an effort to be productive yeah um, it's, that self-direction an, thing can be yeah, hard sometimes. it's been an interesting mm-hmm. journey but i have i have things in the works i've got ideas and ways to occupy my time and hopefully bring more content and stuff to people that want it so we'll Yay. see where it goes good for you yeah, thank you. And Bentley, I know that you have picked up some new work. You do your I mean, you're not so when are you done with school? Yeah. In December. Woo-hoo. So just December. Yeah. Just a, a year left. I'm excited. And then do you think that anything you're doing right now will transition into something? I mean, are you still looking? Because you kind of have multiple streams of income. I got, teach I got a lot of things. Yeah, I got a lot of things <laughs> going on. I went from like zero to 100 real quick. Um, <laughs> I was spent most of last year. I was like, I'm going through my divorce. Whatever. I'll take my time. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh shit, I need to work. I need to do some stuff. <laughs> but, you know, I could say a lot about that. I was just in such a shitty emotional space for such a long time that I think whatever I was going to commit myself to is probably going to go up in flames anyways. I felt like I was such a mess. But I, right now, so I'm in grad school. Um, so I'm getting my master's in communication. I have a part-time job working for Aloe Yoga on their social media team which I love. And I teach yoga. And so I teach a couple of public classes. I've got a few private clients. And then I bartend because that's not enough. So let's enough. <laughs> throw that on there. Right. Yeah. My days are full. Let's add to my nights. Uh, but really, no, like my schedule's great. I have a lot of little things going on. I still have a lot of time to get, you know, my personal stuff done, which is great. And it's just about balancing. My schedule is just a little crazy. And then I, so I bartend at a music venue in downtown Phoenix on the weekends. So that's super fun, but it's, um, it's just a little bit of everything right now. It's kind of, I wanted to keep school my priority and that takes a lot of time. So it was about kind of interjecting school and I mean, um, work and, you know, whatever, where I could without sacrificing my time for school. And I know a lot of people that do this program who work full time. And I'm like, I don't know how you're doing it. But (laughs) Uh, there's a lot of people that go to school and work full time and raise kids. And and have kids. And and, and I'm like, 
no thanks. I need my sleep. I'm actually an 85 year old top from the 30, about to be 31 year old body. It's oh, not. It's you'd serious. You'd figure it out if you had to. You'd figure it out. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. serious. It's amazing. It's amazing, it, what we're, yeah. it's amazing yeah. what we're capable of when totally. joining for the fire. Yeah, and um, and I kind of like that I went from zero to 100 real quick. It it, it was sort of that same thing that you said. Okay, well, I gotta figure my shit out. Let's just yeah. do this. Put so, your big girl uh, panties on. Put your, put your big girl pants <laughs> on. Let's do this. So it's been really awesome. I mean, I would love to. The fact that I'm getting to combine a, a part time position right now, doing social media work, um, in the yoga capacity is like amazing for me. That's, it's that's a, bringing yeah. both of your worlds it's together. Both there. my worlds together. So any way that I can continue down that road, um, I picked this specific degree because it's very marketable in this day and age. Uh, I was really torn because there was a program I wanted to do. Um, it was a social technologies program, but it was only offered at the West Valley campus, which is like 45 minutes where I from where yeah. I live. And I was like, I can't go to classes four or five days a week, an hour away. Yeah. Like, it's just not going to work. But I know at the end, this degree will help me kind of, again, springboard down the road into something. something. <laughs> um, hopefully, so, I mean, yeah, and I'd, I'd love to stay in the realm that I'm already working, you know, in a way where I can continue to combine my, my love of yoga and my love of social media and how I can interject my degree in there just you know mm. go from there and see that's a nice thing is I don't really stress as much um about like we mentioned in my little one-on-one um you know those where do you see yourself in three years I'm like I- I'll get there <laughs> wherever it is wherever <laughs> I I'm meant to be I'm gonna get there I hate no when people her. ask me that. I'm yeah. like, you know what? I have trouble just deciding whether I'm going to wear pants or not. <laughs> you know, that's, when that's you ask me what's idea. my what's my what's my six month or my one year or my five year plan, it's like I I don't know. Leave me alone. And, and someone's going to throw a wrench in it anyways, and you're going to anyway. be thrown off path, and you're going to have to figure it out again. Well, yeah. you know, right now I'm tempting the storms by I am planning a trip to Denmark in September. <gasps> My great grandfather, who was Danish, emigrated through Ellis Island at 18, 17, I think. And so we have the town that he came from. And one of my yoga students, her sister is married to a Danish man and lives in Denmark. And she's like, you should go and stay with my sister. And her husband loves to do research and find people. And so they might be able to find some things in Denmark. And and so it's this, this thing that, you know, it's been talking to me, that whole Viking Danish side of my genetics has been sort of drifting in this direction. And it's like, you know, I could go ahead and keep telling myself I can't afford it or I don't have time or I can just go, you know what? I'm going to figure it out. It's yeah. going to be a, this it's is going to be another defining moment in your life. I can feel it. Oh, it sure yes. is. I, I, I believe so. I believe that it's, it's going to be a, a big defining moment. Yeah. Even me. just making so. the decision to do it. That's so great. And yeah. then I'm trying to decide whether I'm going to stop in Paris on the way home or yeah, if I'm going to go to, Vienna or maybe Sweden or, you know, I just, I don't know. I've given myself almost two weeks to go and good for you just on your own. Yes. Yeah. Good. That's so exciting. Yay. Well, that's the beauty about Europe. You can go wherever yeah. it's so easy. Once you're there just to bounce around pretty much figure it out. You know, and, and my friend and, and mentor Pat has been living in Paris since last summer <clears throat> and she wants to stay in Paris. Oh, wow. 
And so I'm hoping that she works out all of her visa issues and she'll still be there so that I can go to Paris and see her. It's it's been since 19, oh man. Even that alone. (laughs) 96. (laughs) The fact that you're starting it with 19. 1996 since I've been to Paris. So um, I I really want to go back and, and see Paris again. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at, but I, I woke up one morning and I've been thinking about it, thinking about it. And I think that pivotal, that small pivot was Mm -hmm. just tell yourself you're going to do it and figure out how to make it work. You're giving yourself plenty of time over the next several months to figure it out. Yeah. You're a smart woman. You'll figure it out. Yes, now I just need all the money now comes to me. Right? Yes, right. <laughs> Manifest that. Manifest shit. that money. Girl, I'm doing the same. <laughs> well, ladies, I want to thank you so much for thank you today and sharing some of these deeply personal pivotal moments because those are having to dig into that stuff is not easy. And yeah. And being able to share that, it's uh, it's become readily apparent to me the more that I do this, that just how important this work is. And even though sometimes it feels like you're shouting out into the void, mm-hmm. um, and I don't always, I don't hear back from a lot of people. Every once in a while, I'll get a, a DM and someone will say, thank you so much for sharing. This mm. was a great episode or it, that really impacted my life or something like that. So there are days when I feel like, am I just doing this and dropping this out into the void? And is, is anybody really paying any attention? But yeah, I are. truly believe that they are paying attention yeah. and that this is, this is important work. Yeah. That we're well, doing, so. Sherry, thank you for letting us like for holding the space for us to share and kind of yeah. get our stories out there and hopefully bring a little light to people that might be struggling with some of the same stuff that we were. Mm-hmm. It was this whole thing is just sort of taken on its own <laughs> life. Yeah. And I feel yeah. like I just am responsible for holding space open for yeah. that to happen. And it was so funny when I told Catherine that she was like my unicorn guest. <laughs> my dream guest. That just made my heart explode. Oh my God. And she said to me, she said, Sherry, she said, You're so kind. And I thank you so much for a great conversation. And I said, it was all, and at the end of our interview, I said, you know, this all came together and it happened with sparkles. And she was like, I was hoping that you were going to bring up a unicorn. And I just couldn't bring myself to say it live in our interview that she was my (laughs) unicorn guest. I had to tell her later, but it's those things of, so I just reached out and told myself all she can do is say no. And she never did. It it took some time, but it never, no, she never said no. Yeah. And so the reality is, is that now I need to figure out who's, who who am I going to ask now that (laughs) is like this, this dream guest or somebody that I, I really want to have that I can manifest to be on this podcast because I just think that, and it doesn't even have to be somebody who's famous or anything like that it's just these great stories mm-hmm. that can you can you just get michelle obama on please yes please. well I'll, I'll do my best <laughs> yeah we'll work on it <laughs> it's funny um that you bring up Catherine because i didn't know who she was i mean years ago i didn't I know who she is now obviously but i didn't know who she was a couple of years ago and before any before she started dating kate and all that stuff 
just like a little side story. Heidi, my girlfriend, used to, I mean, loved her. And it was mostly because as a yogi, like Catherine's very, she's not your stereotypical. No, she's very relatable. She's very (laughs) relatable. She's not that like, what's the word I'm trying to say? Just, you know, like your cookie cutter, super tall, like crazy flexible, you know, taking pictures on, you know, epic places. Like she's very down to earth. And Heidi always appreciated her as a yogi because she related to her. She was like, my body looks like her. Mm -hmm. I'm strong like her, you know, all these things. Right. And when Heidi and I were not speaking and after we got caught having our affair, she, we ended up finally getting to talk a couple months later, about eight months later. And she came to me and she goes, do you know Catherine Budig? And I went, no, why? It was the same time that she had just come out with Kate. So we had just spent six to eight months apart questioning, you know, our sexuality, questioning whether we should be married, what we should be doing. And then here's Heidi following Catherine's story, who she had already loved her her for her yoga, you know, comparisons. But then to see, start to see like pictures following her on Instagram, she's like, I think she's with a woman now. And it was like these parallel stories that were happening yeah. I, like couldn't believe that it was om- exactly almost exactly the same story and it was it was just really cool you know the way you say you never know who you're impacting you know you never yeah. know the information that you're putting out there what people are relating to or grateful for hearing I mean this was massive for her to be seeing at the same time where she's questioning whether she should be married or she should be with a woman and here's Catherine's story you know just coming to her right read it through her phone so it's kind yeah, of that's so cool it's, it's one of those things where i when we talked and i just said i appreciated so much how you handled the situation that she didn't feel that she had to explain everything in the moment that it was happening yeah that she gave herself some room to to live her life and and move through and and do some things and even though she knew she didn't want to be married to this man anymore, she still was concerned with making sure that she treated him with respect, et cetera. Yeah. So, yeah. and she was the one in the conversation that made the comment about, you know, Sherry, she said, you never know who's going to hear you make a comment or say something that's going to impact their life or a guest doing that. And she said, that was why, because she supported me from the very beginning when this was still just a seed of me trying to figure out what to do. And I reached out to her and heard back was, you know, there needs to be more platforms for women to be able to do this and, Mm -hmm. and how, and, and the more I do this, the more important I realize that it is. So I'm, I'm working on Michelle Obama. I'm coming for you. (laughs) We're going to make it happen. I'm putting it out to the universe. I want to have you on my podcast. (laughs) So, all right, ladies, thank you again. We'll be back next month with another topic to uh, discuss. And, There are all sorts of fabulous interviews coming up. Bentley's interview is coming up in the next couple of weeks as well, her solo interview. So make sure you check that out. And I so appreciate both of you ladies for helping me to just live out my dreams with this. I really, really appreciate it. Thank Thank you. you.